It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. From baseball's top personalities. The Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters, Bob Costas is here on A's Cast Live. To the A's legendary players. Five-time Major League Baseball home run champ, Mark McGuire is with us here. You never know what stories you're going to hear. We used to come out here to lunch and run with our shirts off. <laughs> you would say. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Today, we're going to be hearing interviews that Jessica Kleinschmidt's been doing for us for A's Cast and, of course, our pregame show, A's Total Access. You're going to get Eric Burns, Jared Parker, two former athletics, Vinny Pasquantino, Royals' top prospect, and Talking Jake from John Boy Media. Here's Jessica. Jessica Kleinschmidt here as A's Total Access rolls on, joined by a good friend of mine, Eric Burns, former A's outfielder, Host of No Filter Network, my co-host for Burning Questions, Bernie. Bernie, thanks for joining me today. Jess, I miss you. I miss you. Like, once we got into the season, the Burning Questions started happening fewer and fewer. And I'm like, man, we got to get those rolling again. That was not only therapeutic uh, for my, to say, baseball love, is Mm -hmm. we get to talk out baseball every single week. But I felt like we had this cool connection going in life and we were able to you know, talk about this and talk about that. So good to, uh, good to hear your voice again. I'm a little sad now that you're making me feel guilty, but I swear in the next few days, when everything calms down, we will revisit burning questions because you same thing. It's good ther- therapy for me as well. Uh, never thought Bernsey would be considered a good therapist, but it's here we are. Now, there's a lot that I wanted to talk to you about, but I think we need to tell everybody what you're up to. I did mention the No Filter Network, but you are also the coordinator of chaos for the Savannah Bananas, I believe. <laughs> well, that's a self-title. I mean, technically, I'm actually the manager or head coach. Uh, either way, you want to uh, look at that. Uh, Jesse Cole, who's the owner of the Savannah Bananas, he gave me the title of head coach because he said that People like to be coached. They don't like to be managed. Yes. Uh, then I, as I got into the role, I said, Jesse, I am neither a coach nor a manager. I, I am the director of chaos. And that is the truth. Because if you have ever seen a bananas game, it is nonstop chaos from start to finish. Uh, it is, it, it was one of the most exhilarating experiences of my life. I never thought that I would be involved in anything like it. And I think I went into it not really knowing what to expect, which was good, uh, and came out of it uh, just uh, really grateful for, for that opportunity and look forward to continuing my involvement with the Bananas as they build this thing out. Yeah, and it's been kind of cool to watch what you guys have done, not just on the field, but with social media. And, you know, I've talked to you about it before they're bringing more fun to the game and what's it been kind of like watching all of that. And you've, you've, you played earlier in the years, but what's it been kind of like seeing more fun, more of like a, a show put on in the game of baseball? Well, I think there's a delicate balance because like I told all the players, if 
we're not throwing strikes, if we're not catching the baseball, if we're not putting the ball in play, none of this works. It literally all gets thrown out the window and we become this circus novelty act that is a Broadway show and we're pretending to play baseball. If we do do all the things right, right? And I get it, it's baseball. It's, no one's going to be perfect. But literally from start to finish, I mean, we're dancing, we're catching balls behind our back. We're, we've got guys coming out and pitching and hitting on stilts. Uh, it, it's, it's a circus. A lot of it's a circus. And what gets lost in all of this is the fact that these guys are good baseball players. As a matter of fact, they're professional baseball players. They're not an affiliated ball, but I would say 95% of them play independent baseball. And a lot of them would still be an affiliated ball had they still had all the minor leagues. But now a lot of the minor leagues, with all the slashes a couple of years ago, um, they're not there. Now, you know, is it loaded with big leaguers? No. I, I, I think there was a couple that, that have big league talent, so to speak. Um, you know, there's a couple guys – Literally, it's like mind-boggling to me how or why they're not with an organization right now. But their skill set is one that dudes in the big leagues don't have. And that's, you know, how they ended up with the Bananas. And we had a one-day tryout. It wasn't – we weren't able to tell, you know, everything. It, yeah. it was actually really difficult to try to pick a team. But to see these guys in some of the stuff that they can do, we have a rodeo clown pitcher, Jess, yeah. that literally can throw a ball between his legs and hit a gnat in the ass. Like, it, it is unbelievable wow. to watch him. He's doing cartwheels on the mound. He's, he's, he's throwing his hat in the air and then firing the ball, like, under the hat. It, it's just like the stuff, our shortstop, this guy, Ryan Cox, and he was a he was a, a good D one player that didn't sign with anybody. Kind of got passed over. Has been coaching baseball the past however many years, and he started messing around with little trick things on TikTok. And so you know between the legs and behind the back and over the shoulder and all this other stuff. And this guy has turned into something special. Like he, he honestly is one of the best shortstops I've ever seen. Now, does he have the range of? Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr.? No, I, of course not. But when it comes to making the room team play and also being able to then dress it up, we had one play that literally it was like Matt Wolf between the legs, and he's a rodeo clown, right? Matt Wolf between the legs, ground ball short, right? Cox fills it between the legs, over to, you know, such and such a second base, underhand toss over to first double play. And it was just like, it's crazy, 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 crazy to watch this. And as we continue to grow and build this thing out, we're just going to continue to see more of the shenanigans. It's just, it's about having a feel though, because it was crazy competitive. That's yeah. what no one really understands. We're playing this one team they're called the party animals. They come storming over the outfield fence. They have cut off sleeves. You know, they're all tatted up, but they don't have real tats or they, they, they all put the fake tats on. Oh, I love they, that. They come storming over. They, they, they're shooting off fireworks guns and the crowd just loves it. They eat it up. The guy, you know, the one guy came to the bat or came to bat with his, his bat was actually on fire, like literally on fire. Yeah. And he hits a, hits a bullet up the middle and he hit, he hit it to our rover. So we'll play a rover, very untraditional defense. We'll take almost like a fifth infielder and we play in a real shallow center field. 
and he 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 gets the ball, throws it, and just about throws him out at first. Uh, but that's a, probably the clip that uh, was number one on Sports Center. Yeah, and it seems it seems like they're always doing something. Like I, I don't think there was a game we played that didn't have something that did not go viral. I mean, Bill Lee, seventy-five-year-old Bill Lee, yeah. Bay Area native, yes. uh, pitched in every single game for us. Mm-hmm. Just about every single game we had of the fourteen game world tour he was in there did not walk one batter not one never pulled him out to finish finished every single inning he started got lit at times we played the uh four-man outfield for bilby and he uh he, he loved it when balls were getting caught as these guys were hitting moonshots to the wall and he wasn't very happy when uh they hit a ball to shortstop and it went into the outfield so he uh he's just a special character so overall it's a it, there's not, there's nothing like it and, yeah. and it's it's really it's really 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 hard to explain until until you get out there and have a chance to see it and i've seen you we had a former a's guy out there johnny gomes i believe joined you and then jake peavy was out there so you're having big names embrace this as well which is really cool yeah johnny came out and I think he ended up having a walk-off walk against the Kansas City Monarchs. And that was fun to see because we played the party animals. And then after, you know, that part of the world tour was over, we played a challenge game against the Kansas City Monarchs. And they're a legit top-end independent team. The first four guys in their lineup, all four of them, all four of them, including Pete Cosma, who was with the A's, and Matt Adams. Oh, yeah. All they, they hit one, two, three, four in the order. It was Vladimir Gros' cousin, and there was a guy from the Royals, uh, Sweeney uh, is his last name. Those are the first four guys in their lineup, all four in the big league. So then the question becomes, well, how is, how, how is this going to work against a real team? And banana ball is match play. Mm-hmm. So they went, out, they went out there the first inning. And they lit up our guy. And I, ironically, it's a guy that's more of a professional pitcher, right? He's 92 on the bump. He's got a tight little slider. And they absolutely took it to him. Scored six, six runs. Next, next inning, they score zero. We score one. We win the inning. So just like that, it's, it's 1-1 because it's match play. And the first night, they ended up getting us. And then the second night, we ended up getting them. And that's where Johnny Gomes had the – the walk-off walk, I, I pinch hit myself. Uh, it, I typically try to find a, a, a pretty big situation just for dramatic effect right? to go ahead and call time to go over and, and, and pinch it. So it's been fun. Like, I haven't played baseball in 10 years. And yeah. so to go, to go back and, and, and start taking VP again, like I'm actually, instead of just messing around, right, with, with the kids, to actually do it, like, that was – rewarding you 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 forget how much you you love playing this game and, and how much I forgot how much I loved playing I knew I loved coaching it I knew I loved yeah. the game but I, I I hadn't played in so long that that like the feeling of the ball coming off the bat and all these things so yeah it was it was really cool Jake PV same sort of thing and I, yeah. I just love how these guys are all in like they they they, they love it John Gall my cousin all-time hits leader in the, uh, the Pac-12 he came and he 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 took an at bat um, as as well and uh, it's just uh, he comes out he was an Olympian and with the Stanford so he comes out like you know with his gold he had a bronze medal he comes out with his bronze medal on the playing God bless the USA he won a World Series ring with the Cardinals so he takes off his World Series ring 
and uh, hands it to the World Series reading to one of his kids, the the, the bronze medal, to, you know, to his other, and then you know, and then he gets up there, and you know, first time he's taken it at bat in almost ten years as well. So, uh, and he, it, the funny thing was, he faced the the one guy we had that threw like ninety four, and ended up putting a good pass on it and flew out. But yeah, it's just you know, a lot of the a lot of it is is surrounded around you know, these viral moments yeah. that are created, not when the ball's in play, but then again, you know, I think one of the biggest things that, that does come out of it is when the guys are actually on the field and doing the dancing, right? Like that's, uh, it, it, it's, it's comical. And there, yeah. there's a pace of play and everything that goes with it that if you're not used to banana ball, like, oh man, it's, it's, a, it's, a, whole different, it's a whole different thing. Yeah, it was really cool to watch. Now, you mentioned you may not be dubbed a manager, but one guy that you and I have talked about a lot is your former A's manager, Bob Guerin. How much of an impact he had on you? and why? I think you mentioned he was your favorite manager. What was so special about him? Yeah, Bob was just a guy that I had all coming up all through the minor leagues with the A's. I had him in the Dominican when I, I won an MVP award out there. I, you know, I, I think I always played well for him. So <laughs> anyway, our relationship, uh, you know, was, was, was solid in, in, in that, in that sense. Yeah. And, you know, Bob's a different guy. And I know Bob, there was a time, you know, when he managed the A's, I was not here. And I, I heard different things about how he actually went about his business. I know he mm-hmm. changed a little bit. I, Bob even told me he changed a little bit for, whatever reason just you know he, I think he tried to you know step back from having these personal connections with the players but you know as, as I do this managing and coaching thing you know whether it's kids whether it's you know growing men I, I think the biggest thing is is communication mm-hmm. and when you're able to have the communication with the kids you know with these banana players give them an idea of of you know what exactly you're looking for out of them you know, when it comes to playing time, uh, you know, map it out. It's okay. They, they tell them, hey, look, this is where we're going to try to get you in. If it, if it happens, great. You know, if it doesn't happen, you know, you guys got, you got, you got to stay flexible with me. And I, I, that was the biggest thing with Bob. Bob was always just a, a great communicator. And, you know, that was my experience with him. I took a lot. I mean, it wasn't just Bob. It was, you know, a lot of guys, even the current A's manager now in, in Kotze were yeah. – you know, Kotze was a huge influence in my career to be able to play alongside him. And, you know, I remember, you know, him talking about just throwing a baseball from the outfield. And, you know, I used to be full send gun ho, tried to throw it as hard as I can. And, you know, I, I remember he's like, there's an art to it where you could get like, like an arc in the ball that could one hop the sec, you know, say the third baseman at home, as opposed to like the short hop, it's really hard for the third baseman or, uh, the catcher to handle. So, you know, I mean, Cots is one of the smartest baseball guys that I've ever been around. And I think, you know, when you guys figure it out over there with personnel and uh, everything, I, I look, Cots is going to be an unbelievable manager. And I think you guys got the right guy uh, leading the show. Yeah. And, and you mentioned when we figured that these things out, you've probably been on some teams that have struggled. How, how are you able to get through a season when a team is struggling as bad as the A's are? You're a professional and you got to be a professional. You show up, post up every single day. 
It, it does not matter. There will not be a letdown. Uh, and you're only as good as your next performance. Mm-hmm. So whether you're a team that wins over 100 games or a team that wins 50 games, it doesn't matter. There's, there's, you'll never lay it down. I mean, that's the funny thing because people talk about, oh, well, they, they have nothing to play for, so they're just going to get, hell no. Yeah. No, 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 no. Now, is it an opportunity maybe to get some younger guys in there and take a look to see what you have going for the future to start a guy's clock and, and, and you know, hope that you can get some production out of him a little bit earlier than you're looking for? Yeah, sure. Why not? But, I, you know, for the most part, I mean, for, at least from my, what I've seen, I, I haven't watched a ton of the A's. Uh-huh. Offensively, it's been a, it's been a struggle. Yeah, and, and uh, you you got you got to hit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's as simple as that. So, you know, hopefully they figure it out. And I, I mean, I think there's a lot of question marks, obviously, surrounding the organization uh, as well as when it comes to the the stadium and Vegas and everything else that's gone down. But uh, make no mistake about it, that's one of the most loyal fan bases in sports. And I think whether you know, it, it, it's Oakland or Vegas. I mean, this is a team that was in Kansas City before and Philadelphia before that. I think they'll always have that loyal fan base. Obviously, like everybody else in the Bay Area, I'd like to see them stay there. I'd like yeah. to see a stadium get built, a stadium situation resolve. It's, it's been way too long. But uh, again, like it's, I, you know, I'll be forever grateful for, for the A's for giving me an opportunity in professional baseball and, um, it's a, it's a special organization. It's, it's very family oriented in the sense that I, they're, they're, they're loyal to their people. And, and I think that that's, you know, in the long, in the, in the, in the long run, that's, that's served them very well. And ideally that, uh, you know, that continues to grow. And kind of tailing off of that before I let you go, what's it like on a night to play at the Coliseum, especially you in the outfield? Oh, Drums beaten. <laughs> Eric Burns fan club flying in the air. Yes. I mean, that, that, that was, that was, those were some of the best times of my life. I, I mean, I really, really, really uh, enjoyed my time there. There was an energy. There was a, a little bit of an FU too with the, <laughs> with, with, with the crowd that, that had the chip on the shoulder, very blue collar. Uh, that, that was everything. Like, to, you know, and I went through some ups and downs there. But I, there was, I, I can't remember one time where, it, you know, like to say, you know, the fan, the fans weren't behind this team. Yeah. It, it was it, there. I went a lot of other, you know, a few other places and don't get me wrong. Like we, we were boos yeah. and, and not to say the East fans have never booed or anything, but for the most part, like they're just like, yeah, like bring it on. And, and it's a, it's a lifestyle. It's a mentality. And I, again, just, just very, very fortunate and very grateful that I was able to, you know, experience that. And, you know, the, the whole organization, like from top to bottom, I, I, you know, back in the day, it was, you know, Keith Lippman was running, he was a farm director and Dave Hudgens, he was a hitting coordinator and Carl Keel, the mental strength guy. And, you know, you had, you had, you had Billy who was, you know, running the show and David Forrest had just got there. I played against David Forrest when he was at Harvard. I was at UCLA. Oh yeah. And we actually, we lost a game to them and he'll never let me forget it. Yeah. So it was, you know, it, it was just, it, it, it was fun. And, 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 you know, to have those teams. And of course we would have liked to win a world series and we, we definitely had world series type of teams, but I think for the most part, 
like, look, we went out there and we won a boatload of baseball games. Yeah. And it, for whatever reason, it, things didn't fall our way. You could make every excuse in the book and point fingers and, and you know, you could try to say that, you know, the team wasn't built for the playoffs. That's just garbage. It's just, it, we were, we were, and, and, you know, we put ourselves in position to win. And, and sometimes it just doesn't happen. But, you know, ultimately, I think we look back on it and I don't know if you, even if you look at that 20 game win streak, no one will ever be able to take that away from us ever. And I, I know we're having a, a reunion this year. It's crazy uh, to think that it's been 20 years. But what's so special about that team is, is that family sort of atmosphere that, yeah. you know, was created. And we go out and there's 23 out of 25 guys uh, sharing uh, ice cream and, and, and milkshakes after the game. Yeah. Right. Like there's there's a, a, a common bond and a camaraderie with that team that it was just different. It was different than any other team that I've ever played on. And uh, it was I, I just won't ever forget it. And, you know, when it comes to the whole money ball thing and everything else and you're, there's going to be their critics and they're going to say, you know, say this or say that. But, you know, the, the thought and idea that 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 was captured, you know, yeah. in, in, in some form. Um, and you know, not only captured, but like made mainstream, like that's, that story is awesome. And you know what, maybe the world series didn't happen in Oakland, but, uh, you know, ironically it happened a few years later in Boston by then implementing a lot of the same analytics and same thing that, uh, you know, that, that the A's were doing and Billy and Billy and David and, and everyone else was doing in the front office and trying to just find the advantage where, uh, you know, other teams, other teams weren't necessarily looking and that it's, it's innovative. It, it's, uh, it's progressive. It, and it was, uh, it just was a great organization to be a part of. I remember David Forrest, uh, like talking about OPS back when like, nobody knew what OPS was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean but, but we get there. He's like, look, Burns, he said, this is the number we care about 800 OPS. I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll strive for it. I'll strive for it. So that I had, but I, I, I had to go find it. Like you had to look in like the deep stats package to figure yeah. out what it was. It's, it's such a simple formula, obviously, right? The on baseball slugging. Yeah. But you really started just paying attention to, to these little things and figuring out the value of, you know, putting the ball in play and getting on base and, you know, everything else. So you will be at the reunion then. I, the plan is right now to be there. Yeah. Good. Ab- ab- absolutely. I, I think it's, uh, the weekend before we have our Savannah, our Savannah banana fall tour, uh, it's a small little small tour kickoffs. So I'll be in Savannah and then, uh, I'm going to come back. I, oh, good. The plan now is to come back to that reunion and it'd be, it'd be, it's just be fun to see the guys oh, yeah. I, more than anything. Right. Like that's, that, that's, that's the idea. And then, you know, obviously my, my kids now to, they're old enough where I think they can appreciate it. Um, you know, a couple of years ago in the A's 50th anniversary team that I was fortunate enough that the fans voted me to be a part of that. I, you know, they were there and it was cool. I think they were still real young to, you know, realize anything. Right. Um, you know, as they get older a little bit, I think they take it in a little differently too. And so, uh, yeah, it'd be cool to, to get the kids out there and, Aww. you know, but most importantly, to see, to see all the, see all the yeah. guys I, that I haven't seen in, in so long. Cool. We look forward to seeing you. I'm, I'm, that's probably the one thing I'm looking forward to all season. Uh, Bernsey, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, Jess, uh, let's not forget to uh, <clears throat> schedule our next burning questions on nofilter.net.
We will. Hell of a plug, Birdsey. I appreciate you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We have A's Mariners coming up, but first, Jessica Kleinschmidt here, joined by former A's pitcher and my friend, Jared Parker. Jared, thanks for joining me today on A's Total Access. Thanks for having me. Definitely excited. Definitely. Me too. So before I get into some fun A's memes, as the cool kids say, you are just returned from a trip from the MLB draft combine, something it's brand new. It's only in its second year. So still in its infancy, kind of give the people an idea of why you were there. It talks about what you're up to now and what you're doing out there in Nashville. Yeah. So this was actually my second year doing it as well. So I, I'm pretty fortunate. They thought about me early and um, a lot of times what they're doing with coaches and staff is using some of the team USA alumni coaches within the organization, you know, players and coaches that are out of baseball that are really looking to stay in at the higher levels. So they bring us out to San Diego this year at Petco, which was quite the upgrade um, from Cary, North Carolina. Yeah. And we were, <laughs> we were able to work out of Petco every single day out there. So that was something that was I mean, for me as an ex-player, that's exciting. I can't imagine for the kids at the combine what the thought process and you know how how motivating that should have been. So I think being there and doing that, you know, it, it's uh, it's still in its infancy stage, like you said. About you know, early on, we get the high school kids together. They're there Tuesday through Sunday morning, and they'll do two games the first two days, a game each day, and then they'll c- compete uh, with the following two days of like more MLB kind of like, you know, it's, it's obviously paralleled off the NFL combine. So events that apply to the sport, you know, they're running shuttles, they're doing broad jump. They're obviously taking BP, getting all their analytics and, and data gathered while at the same time, taking the advantage of meeting with teams, doing pre-draft medicals, you know, ultimately just kind of getting to know and, you know, the teams are investing money in these guys. So it's it's a good time to you know get some research on each guy and get a chance to know them and see if they fit the puzzle in your organization. So I think for us, it's just we're kind of out there coordinating and just keeping these guys like on time. You know, the, the MLB network part of it is really time, you know, time driven and TV driven. So we're we're bouncing around the workouts aren't the most efficient for those days. But then after that, the kids get a good idea of, you know, what a day in the life would be if, if they were at that level. So tell me about the Nashville stars. Cause that's ultimately why you were out there. Yeah. So the, the Nashville stars youth foundation is an organization that Ro Coleman and I started and we have three youth teams right now. And the name, the Nashville stars comes from the, Nashville Stars Major League Baseball Initiative that is here in Nashville to try to bring an MLB team here. So we are fortunate enough to me uh, work with them. I, you know, I casually kind of work underneath John and Dave Stewart just to figure out 
as much as I can. You know, I'm like a fly on the wall every day I'm over there. So I think for us to become their youth foundation and their youth organization named after the Nashville Stars, we've we've been very fortunate. And I think that shows their belief in, in us as, you know, individuals and, and, you know, leaders of our industry. Yeah, and you, Dave Stewart, nice name drop. He, uh, he'll actually be having his jersey retired with the A's on September 11th. So looking forward to that. And he's also, like you said, did a lot of cool stuff as far as a hopeful, expansive organization out there. Um, now, as far as the combines concerned, just because obviously being a former player yourself, you were obviously recruited. Would you have li- wished that it was around while you were playing? Because we were talking to Mark Kotze about it. We know he was a very highly touted college player. Would you have liked to be a part and participate in that when it was your turn? I would say yes. I mean, knowing like that, I, you know, I did the knowing that what I know now about the CBA and business side of it, and you know, your agency and representation knows that there's incentives to go now. And, you know, there's, there's incentives for both, both sides that are protected. You know, you're going to go there and compete and get your, you know, MRIs and your medicals done. The team's got to make a, you know, an investment in that to, to encourage you to come. So there's got to be some, some incentive. And I think they've done that with including it. Mm -hmm. I for sure would have gone just, you know, being a kid from Northeast Indiana and not necessarily having as much looks, you know, I, I went down to what, I think one perfect game event and that was like all I did as an amateur and kind of, you know, didn't make all these extra teams because I wasn't going, you know, to all these AFLAC events and pre-showcase events. So it was like, this would have been ideal for somebody like me that kind of burst onto the scene my senior year out of nowhere. And, you know, it would have gave probably teams a better opportunity to vet and do their research. And, you know, I would have opted in without a doubt. Yeah, it's really cool to kind of see it happening. I'm surprised it took it this long to kind of implement it. Um, sticking with that same theme, you are coaching a lot of kids. I've seen really cool videos of you working with them. What's something that kind of surprised you as far as taking this coaching role? You know, obviously you played in, in multiple levels, but was there a specific thing that you were working with a kid or a couple of kids where you didn't think that coaching would result in this type of a behavior? Yeah, that's like the, the two and a half hour symposium of how the systems broke (laughs) from the top to bottom, but a quick one. Yeah. Yeah. Quick, like funny thing is like when I got into this and do it, I didn't know what a PO was like a pitcher only I didn't know what the heck that was because oh. you know like I always I think everybody prided themselves to being a good athlete and I was having the opportunity to go to college to two-way but I was like oh sweet sweet we got like put outs like what you guys are good like yeah they're like no we got like four pitcher onlys on this team and I was like like what do they do you know like it's they just pitched you know that I didn't know that there was like these kids that not like a two-way kind of, player no, not a two-way, and these kids that just flew in and out of town to to pitch, and and literally just pitch and not be a teammate or not be not be a part of a program or even like learning how to win when you're not in the lineup or just being kind of present. Uh-huh. Something that I I kind of saw, you know, rounding that story out, where it's basically become, you know, guys are really individualized in this you know, youth amateur space, which obviously has already created individualized stuff at the big league level, but 
there there's no like monitoring it or kind of finding it in, in a better way so we i mean i have at this point two po's on my summer team but they are with us at all times they work out they run bases they you know they beg for at bats every single game but i make them you know be a part of a team and not just be a you know an individual so i think i've noticed like the the whole team atmosphere and just the ability to to learn how to win has gotten completely lost and you know just all these showcase and quick accolades and rankings yeah um see in my mind po stands for parole officer so at least yeah at least i watch a lot of true crime so i'm like oh did they check in with the po so i mean that that's where my mind went you're already ahead of me yeah i'm their po now like they didn't know that they got a po as the po like it's worse to be a po by me trust me it's it's way harder they they don't love it yeah okay well at least we know that like oh you got the po jared parker there's that um now when it comes to the a's clubhouse five the thing that it it doesn't really matter who's on the roster i feel it's always kind of the same it's laid back it's fun and i think bob melvin can kind of be brought into that conversation in previous years i feel like is that seems like that'd be an easier way to show up every day is being surrounded by a good group of guys in at that coliseum clubhouse has that always been the case for me, yes. I mean, I think like, shoot, I, Bob was even in Arizona as the manager, as I was drafted and just like always seeing that nature and just kind of the way he carried himself. And, and ultimately, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the act, it wasn't the words and, you know, how much he was saying, but it was when, you know, when it was said and how, you know, how he said it was where, you know, he set himself aside from other leaders and, you know, even, being in San Diego last week and and the week talking to the grounds crew, like everyone around a ballpark that is involved with Bob is family. You know, Mm -hmm. they, they feel involved. Like he makes everybody, you know, feel like this is, this is going to be all of us when this thing wins, you know, and he says, when it's not like if, yeah. And I think that's always been a thing with Bob where, you know, the more, the more, the merrier. And I think everybody getting on the same page and, and his page is pretty easy to get on. Yeah. And I think you mentioned before, like, he's also just very approachable. It doesn't matter how many years removed, he'll still return a text and still talk. And I feel like that's always a blessing. We definitely miss him around here. Um, now the Coliseum, it's, it's definitely full of historical moments and first time. And I love talking to guys when they talk about, you know, maybe they've made their major league debut or anything like that. Do you have any particular Coliseum memories that just will never escape your brain? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of them. I think just like everyone always asks me when I get in these things or like, you know, the kids like, where did you play? What was your favorite ballpark? And they like kind of stare at me twice when I say the Coliseum, because I loved pitching there at night, you know, just because it was, I don't know, it was something about pitching there at night where it was history prior, you know, even the history we were making, you know, like nobody expect us to do anything in 12, 13, 14, those years where, we made, you know, pretty big memories for ourselves while just kind of going along with the plan. You know, we, I don't think any of us knew what really was going on at the time and how big it was to do that back to back years and just be a part of, you know, something where I didn't really look at as the same, I'd bounce back. Yeah, and I think that's something 
that I've, I've really been impressed by is even if they're not filling up the Coliseum, it feels like there's a lot of people there. And that's the kind of the ultimate definition that I get from a lot of pictures. So that's always, always good. Jared. Yeah. Thanks for stopping by today. I really appreciate it. We have A's Royals coming up, but now Jessica Kleinschmidt here as A's Total Access rolls on. Super excited for my guest today in so many ways. Royals top prospect Vinny Pascantino joins me. My friend, Vinny, thank you for stopping by today. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Uh, honored to be here on this show. Oh my gosh, honored both ways, my friend. So I did introduce you as a top prospect I've been doing this for years now. The term top prospect, that's going to be stamped to your name probably for the rest of your career. So I'm curious, what does that term mean to you overall? Um, to be perfectly uh, blunt, I don't really care. Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Being a top prospect doesn't mean you're going to have a successful big league career. And not being a top prospect doesn't mean you won't have a successful big league career. So it's, it's definitely cool. That's for sure. It's more cool for my family and, and friends and people that know me more, like more than it is cool for me because I just want to win baseball games at the highest level possible. So being a top prospect doesn't help you win games. So I'm not really worried about that. And I think that that's dope. It was actually Sean Murphy, who I've been working with for years said the people who write these top prospect lists don't write the lineup cards. And right, he told exactly. me that, and I was sitting there like, this is the one of the first interviews he ever gave. And I was sitting there like, I'm going to like you. And, and I, but you're right. I do appreciate how you're Googleable when it comes to like seeing your name attached to numbers and everything like that. That's very much for our friends and family. During a recent interview, and it really stood out to me, you said you want to control the controllables, which means you can't control everything else. What did you mean by that? Basically, I can control the type of the bats that I have, and I can control the mindset that I have when I get to the park. And other than that, that's about it. Because once once I start my swing, I can't really control where the ball goes. So I can't control too much if I'm getting hits or not getting hits. So I just want to control on having that mindset of just being a good hitter and making it tough for a pitcher, wherever that means. You know, having a long at bat or getting to a pitcher early, whatever it is for me, it's, you know, I don't want to say that I'm a process over results guy because results at the end of the day are what matter but the process leads to those results so I just want to have as good of a process as I possibly can because that is really all that I can control so if I'm controlling that end of the spectrum then the other end should take care of itself and the way that you describe it it sounds I never like to use the term easy simple it might be the right term is it that simple right you can just kind of it's a mind game and I feel like when it comes to this part of your career how are you able to just control that part of the mind game yeah it easy is a word you could use but it's not as easy as it uh you know it's not as easy as it I guess I don't want to say easy as it looks but just you know for lack of a better phrase easy as it looks because every day like for instance today game game at seven o'clock we get to the field I just got here it's uh two thirty, right I got here around two and, you know, I'm basically just sitting here waiting for the game to go. So I got to I got to find a way to make that easy for me to, to you know, sit around all day and you wait for seven o'clock to hit. That's, that's not the easiest thing. But if I'm if I'm controlling what I can, that, you know, that eases the mind a little bit because routines routines make things easier. And there's a reason for that. So so it's just one of those things where if I really attack my process, then I can you know sleep well at night. And, and you mentioned, we're going to use the term easy. You make hitting look rather easy. And it's the most difficult thing in sports. 
what's working for you? Cause you have the power, the numbers speak for themselves. If you're an OPS guy or a girl and you're obsessed with those numbers, but you're also very consistent at the plate. So what's been working with you as far as your plate approach goes? Well, first I appreciate that. Um, but really I just try to hit how I've always hit and that's make a pitcher's life difficult, whatever that can be. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's where the, uh, that's where the phrase, if you've heard it, that George Brett coined was the Italian nightmare. That is a nickname that's been floated around. And that's just kind of where it began was I gave a quote that said, I want to be a nightmare for pitchers. And that's that's my job is to make a pitcher's life not easy. Um, and sometimes you go over four, right? This game's too hard to, to get a hit every night or, you know, to just dominate on a consistent basis. So just I just try to have a consistent mindset. And I think that leads to a consistent approach at the plate because I'm doing the same thing every time. And I'm not saying I have the same approach every time because based off of who's pitching, you know, you got to be looking for different things. You, you have a different, different things you're looking for, but it, in my mind, having a consistent bat is all that I'm worried about. And I just want the pitcher to sweat a little bit more when I'm up to the plate. And so far this year, I, I feel, feel like I've done a pretty good job of doing that. Now, did you say George Brett coined your nickname, the Italian nightmare? Uh, that is, that is a fact. Yes. Uh, and you're on this show right now. Why, how, how are you able to get a compliment like that from a guy like that? When you heard about that, what did, what was going through your mind with a legendary dude, the this well, Royals legend? <laughs> he said it to me. The first time he said it was face to face to me and we were in spring training before the lockout ended. So as as a non 40 man guy, we were getting a bunch of attention that we don't normally get because yeah. there were no, uh, you know, there was no major leaguers in camp. So he was around and the the day before was the day I did um, an interview with Andy Rogers, who covers the Royals. And that's where I said, like, I didn't really mean it. I, I meant it the way I said it, but I didn't mean to use the words that I used. I said, I just want to be a nightmare for pitchers. That's it. And he saw it, I guess. And he called me over and he told me about a Kansas City uh, Chiefs running back, I believe, whose nickname was the Nigerian Nightmare. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm calling you the Italian Nightmare. Wow. So, and then I guess, I think it was two days later, he was on the MLB Network and he said that <laughs> uh, on TV. So it just kind of started from there. And it's, you know, anytime George Brett will say something nice about you, especially when it becomes to, when it comes to hitting, you take it. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I know this is radio and I wish y'all, I could point, paint a picture. Vinny couldn't be more humble talking about this. And I think that that's what adds to just how good of a person you are, but something that's been interesting and now you're, you're rising in the ranks with social media being so huge. And, you know, I could go Google George Brett talked about Vinny, like we can go do that. How are you able to drown out some of the noise as you're going through the motions? We know the ultimate goal, you want to get to the bigs. How are you able to, or are you able to ignore some of it? Well, I think it starts with the fact that I have a pretty stable off the field life. Uh, I have a very serious girlfriend that eventually will get married to at some point, And that is probably step one as to what helps because off the field, I'm not worried about anything other than how my family's doing. Um, and the best part about her, which her name is Ryan Harris. You know, just need to get that out there. Yes. She doesn't care one bit about baseball, Aww. but she doesn't even, she doesn't even watch it. I'll just, but that it goes good and bad ways because I'll say that I go over four and she's like, wow, that sucks. You suck tonight. Like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, you didn't see I hit two balls hard. You know, a little bad. George Brett there. called me the Italian nightmare. Okay. <laughs> and so I, if I have a good game, it's like, yeah, I went two for four tonight, hit a double. Sweet. That's all I get back. So she just doesn't care. And that's probably what helps me the most is that I'm not thinking about baseball when I'm, when I'm away from the field. I think uh, that work life balance 
is really important. So, so I think that's kind of where it starts. It's just that I have a very stable off the field life and I, that's what I, you know, appreciate the most. I definitely appreciate that too. That's awesome. Um, we mentioned George Brett, there's big names that have come throughout this organization. What's it like playing for the Royals, an organization full of so much history and big names, and then there you are amongst them? Yeah, it's a, it's really cool. Anytime you can have your name attached to a professional baseball organization, that's that's just a really cool thing. I mean, if, if uh, you know, if I was 10 years old and you were telling me that, how old am I? 14 years later, then uh, I'd be playing for the Kansas City in the Kansas City Royals organization. That'd be pretty special. So it's definitely a really cool thing to be a part of the organization, and I'm really happy about it. Um, I specifically did not mention your age because I'd like to feel good about myself. So thank you for bringing that up. But yes, you are young, Vinny. We get it. Okay. So you're one day going to get the call. Major League Baseball is going to have an additional player and it's going to be you. Who's the person you're going to call first to let them know the news? My dad might kill me for saying this, but I will be calling Ryan first. Uh, She will be the first one getting the call. Then it will be my dad. Hopefully my mom will be with him. I yeah. actually might call my mom first because she's more reliable to pick up the phone. Very fair. Also, which I do need to say her name because she will definitely be listening to this. And if I don't mention her, she will get angry at me. So mom, hey. Um, so Jennifer, there you go. There's your name, mom. Jennifer, um, thanks for listening. Yeah. Appreciate so, that. So I'll, I'll call her and I'll she'll answer the phone no matter what time of day it is. So I'll call her, call my grandparents, call my brother. My brother will come before my grandparents and I'll call my grandparents and, and hopefully, hopefully the timing works out where they can all, all be there when it happens. Yes. And I can preach somebody in her thirties. I still call my mommy at 11 o'clock at night and she will answer. She's like, I have kids always answer. And that's (laughs) a real one, Jennifer and shout out to Jan because she's listening too. So I do want to embarrass you just a little bit. We have a mutual friend who I adore with all my, my entire heart, Alex Fuse. Now I want to talk about a time not too long ago, Vinny, I was a guest on a show with y'all and I looked over you guys, Vinny was taking notes. You were taking notes and I made fun of you like openly. I I had a couple glasses of wine in my system because you guys made sure I was like buzzed during this interview. And I look over and Vinny's in his little closet with, you know, his, his jerseys in the background, taking notes. And I just wanted to say to go from taking notes to me asking you to come on my show is a really cool moment, a selfish moment for me. And I have to be honest, you deserve all the success in the world. And I couldn't be more proud of you. And you just, and I just wanted to embarrass you just a little bit. Oh, thank you. Uh, I would like to say that yes, I was taking notes and Alex has me quoted and it's true. You, I think you were like our 13th guest when we did the show. It was the most nervous I'd ever been to do an interview. Um, so, so there's some more embarrassing. There's another embarrassing fact about me, but we got through it. We worked through that interview um, and we're here now. So just, you know, just happy it happened. We are here now. And I actually have a little, I'm going to add that like a little ego boost to know that you were nervous to interview me and that's just fantastic and yeah Vinny thank you so much for stopping by you're the best yeah thank you thank you very much all right welcome back as A's total access rolls on Jessica Kleinschmidt here ahead of Royals and A's super excited to be joined by my friend Jake Storielli aka talking Jake doing all the cool stuff over there at John Boy how are you today Jake I'm doing well Jessica I'm jazzed up to talk about to talk about baseball with you, to talk about whatever we want to talk about with you. I, I think if I'm talking to you, that means 
it's a good day. So what do you, what do you got? Let's go. So I know this is radio and people are, can't like physically see you right now, but I'm going to paint a picture for y'all. Homeboys spot sporting a hockey uniform, hockey jersey right now. I know you have some hockey stuff going on. You're a baseball guy. That's why I brought you onto the show. But why are you sporting hockey gear at this very moment? We uh, well, we we have our warehouse now where we did our blitz ball that we we had we've done with a bunch of MLB players and stuff like that. That now uh, we're we're evolving. So you know, I can't give too much away, but yes, I mean, all the clues would say that I'm wearing a hockey jersey, and there could potentially be a hockey tournament going on in our warehouse right now. So uh, wearing this in the summer heat is really dumb, but. Um, you know, it's, it's good stuff. We're making good content. And, uh, you know, luckily my Yankees are so dominant that we can kind of take a weekend off and just be like, all okay. right, I'm winning. All right. Anyways, what, it, what, one hell of a segue. Thanks, Jake. I was going to ask you about those Yankees. And it's funny. The first thing I wanted to talk to you about was like, I think we know why everybody hates the Yankees and you do a quick Google search and they're doing all these. Th- I think there was a, a record that was being tied with Mariano Rivera recently. They're on this win streak at home. And I, I would just be a remiss if I didn't talk about the fact people hate the Yankees because they're good. Yes or no. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's kind of the old stereotype. I grew up in Connecticut. So half of my buddies are Red Sox fans. So I, I grew up with Red Sox Yankees and I, I grew up my, my whole life. The Yankees pay for their players, blah, 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 27 rings, all of that. Um, and I get it. Like we're, we are spoiled. I, I say it a lot on our talking Yanks, the, the, the show that kind of kicked off everything we do. Uh, that we're spoiled Yankee fans. And I, you know, they've had a winning season every year since it's like 93 or something like that. So you know, half half the kids at our company consider like a a ninety win year. Like last year's Yankees, like a a lot of them looked at them as a failure. Which, as a fan base, is so spoiled. It's so spoiled. So, um, and you know, some of the things, especially around the league, and I don't have to tell you, but for for a team like Oakland, you know, the Yankees spend money in their bullpen, and I, I'd say if you look around baseball, half the teams don't do that. And so when when you do things like that, you just you don't appreciate what the Yankees are. I, I will say this, you know, they put in a lot of rules and the Yankees don't just buy every player now. And there's a lot of strategic trades and, you know, guys from the farm that uh, especially this year, it's been such such a fun Yankees team. And you mentioned the strategic moves and, you know, the Yankees do put the money where their mouth is. I feel like no matter what's going on, Brian Cashman always is like, hey, this guy's on the table. These guys are possibilities, but that's toward the monetary value, not taking away what he does behind the scenes and in the front office. But you mentioned some of these strategic trades. So this offseason or even heading into the MLB trade deadline, what are some moves that you think fans need to be paying attention to that could happen? Always pitching. I mean, you know, we could, I could be a fan of any team and you could say that, although the Yankees pitching has been world-class, but I I think they definitely want to add another starter just for innings. I mean, we're still not that far away from 2020 where guys, you know, we don't know how guys' bodies are going to react. Like we, that's very different in the pitcher's life cycle. Uh, And the Yankees bullpen is surprisingly shallow right now. They've had the injury bug a little bit. Johnny Luizaga hasn't been right all year. Chapman's been on the I.L. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe those guys are getting their rest now that they'll be healthy down the stretch. The hot topic in Yankee land is an outfielder. Joey Gallo struggled. Um, Aaron Hicks has struggled at times. Uh, not to 
feed any A's fans. Uh, one of my favorite players to watch play baseball is Ramon Laureano. Um, so I don't know if there's something there. Uh, the Yankees are on an incredible all-time pace right now. So to even talk about any of that, it feels weird because you're like subbing out a player who's been on a historically good team. But the, that in shortstop, but the Yankees have a couple internal options and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa has been solid, but it, it's the only other potential real upgrade spot. And uh, you unfortunately mentioned Ramon Laureano as it pertains to some of these trade rumors. David Force, our GM, said every guy's on the table as far as that goes, especially in this season. Uh, the Marlins specifically need a, a center fielder and they're interested in Ramon because they gave us Starling Marte last year, so they need a fix. Um, I love the idea of Ramon to the Yankees. He's a New York guy. He would love it um, and all of that. Selfishly, I would hate it. However, who is, who is kind of quote that dude on the Yankees this year? Now don't give me an easy, easy, like don't give me an Aaron judge name. Don't give me a John Carlos Stanton name. Who's that dude that maybe we aren't talking about enough. Who's kind of adding to the success of that Yankees team. Okay. Love, love the question. Um, so recently, I mean, there's tears, right? Like you said, you can't say judge, like, the, the tier after judge would be Rizzo, who, but baseball fans, we kind of all know Anthony Rizzo, obviously the Cubs, what he's done on both sides of the ball, like a, a good first baseman can help the whole infield so much. And, and uh, Yankee fans haven't seen like a true gold glove first baseman in a little while. So seeing what Rizzo does day in, day out. Um, also, he's, he's not kind of the quote unquote modern hitter where, uh, you know, it, two strikes, he's choking up. Like he can, he'll give you an at bat. He's not just the home runner bus guy that the Yankees had so many of those in the lineup that, that they needed to break it up. So he does that. Everyone respects him around the league on the Yankees. And then, okay, if we continue doing the tears, like Jose Trevino, uh, he's catching. Love him. Oh my God. Like what an electric person on off the field, wherever he is. Um, he, he spent, he came to our office on Memorial day and he just like hung out for like half the day and like was messing around that night he went out and he had like the game winning hit so he's not only is he supposed to be an elite pitch framer I'm sure some Oakland fans remember him from uh his Texas days he's been hitting and and not like oh he's on a little streak like he's been hitting for like a month and a half now so it, they're they're just getting it from everywhere and the other guy that deserves a shout out on the pitching staff is Nestor Cortez Jr. who's another just electric baseball personality um but there's there's a re there's a reason they're winning so many games they're getting they're getting it from like everyone right now it's insane it doesn't happen like this in baseball I'm glad you mentioned hip-hop Jose he was just like gleaming when he got to hang out with y'all. And I think that's really cool. And yeah, he's translating some of that energy to the field and the numbers and everything like that. We did talk about judge. Now he was offered some daddy money, but daddy money, not for a Yankees guy. Now 30 million annually. I'd be okay with that. Some incentives there, of course, but for a judge, that's kind of a, I want to quote a slap in the face because the guy's a superstar. What is the monetary value for that guy? And doesn't even exist. Ooh, I mean, I, I think the real number would shock people. Uh, if you're counting, you know, what he would mean to the Yankees or another team, if you're counting sold jerseys and butts and seats and all that stuff, I think the number would shock people. Uh, that being said, I, I think he really wants the big contract to start with a three. 
Um, he, he wants 300 million. I think that's an elite baseball club. Uh, and I'll tell you what, uh, when the number 213 came out, that was the contract extension. Yankee fans did a, hmm. It's like, okay, so you gave him a real offer. Like, it's not like, you know, it wasn't no slapdick. Okay, we understand yeah. it. Like, you know, I think not to throw my Boston compadres under the bus, but some of the rumors around Bogart's extension endeavors were kind of slap in the facey that uh, Judgy, he, he, the ultimate bet on yourself. Yeah. Um, and he, right now he's the AL MVP and he's, I just hope people around the league know like how good he is at baseball. Like he's not just a masher. He doesn't just hit home runs, like batting average on base defense speed. Like it's, it's not elite speed, but he steals some bags and he busted out when he needs it. That, uh, and he's just so locked in right now. It's, it's unreal to watch. It's unreal to watch. So I, I think he wants that. I the one wild card that I don't know, maybe, you know, Jessica is, how many years does he want? Does he, is that what he cares about? Or does he just want, does he want seven years as, as big of a bang of a buck as he can get? Uh, or does he want like one of these 12ers that would bring him to 42 that teams hate to give out because guys get old. Father time is undefeated. So uh, we'll see with big Aaron judge, but uh, he's, he's awesome. It's one of those numbers where you can't argue it's, it's too much, right. When it comes to him. And you mentioned for sure, you look at what's on the baseball reference page, the fan graphs page. Sure. He's so good for baseball period universally. Any team deserves all of that. And you mentioned the Jersey sales, like the amazing way he interacts with fans, like that's stuff that money can't buy. I do have two words for you. And I wanted to know, I'm just going to throw them out there and see what your reaction is. I'm like, yeah, put, put the foot closer. Okay. okay. I'm going to be tight. Joey Gallo. Mm. Mm. thoughts here's, here's what i'll say i am a pretty optimistic person um just in life it's it's a cool thing i have i think i'm rooting for joe and i think there's a chance it works i think i'm currently in the minority of yankee fans uh new york city is real uh it's a real place it's different than any place in the world yeah and I guess here's my thing. He, he's looked – when he's played right field, he's looked better. Uh, the problem is if Stan plays defensively, he can only really play right field. Judge is an elite right fielder who's been playing a really good center field, but you worry about that on the big fella's body. Joey Gallo, it, you know, he's won a gold glove, and left field he hasn't looked sharp where the Yankees need that. Left field at Yankee Stadium is massive. Uh, Joey's an incredible athlete. I mean, the way he runs is truly impressive. He's got a good arm. He just hasn't looked super comfortable and left, which that's kind of the first box that needs to be checked. Uh, Cause I'm, I'm fine with slumps or if he's streaky and if he can be a threat, the Yankees, and this is where we're spoiled Yankee fans, Joey Gallo's hitting nine hole uh, a lot of nights when he's in the lineup, which part of me loves that. Cause if you're drawing your walks down there, which he's still done a bit of, and, you know, he gets on his hot streaks where he runs into a couple homers. When you're getting that from a nine-slot hitter, that feel it hits different, as the kids say. So I'm, I'm rooting for Joe. Everything we've heard from guys on the Yankees is that they love him. Like, he's, he's a New York silly personality that people would love, but he hasn't been able to let that out because Yankee fans, they, they care about what's on the field first. And then if you're 
if you got a fun personality like Nestor Trevino, then we'll talk about that. Um, we will see. I, I don't think they're going to cut and run. I think they, that would admit they made a mistake. Um, and, you know, Joey Gallo, he can contribute to the team and he could still be really good. Like, you know, it, we're talking about a 65 game sample or something at this point where he, his next 65, he could have a one dot OPS and he has a history of that. So I have hope for Joey. <laughs> I may be in the minority right now. I love that for you. And you probably are in the minority, but I love you for it. Um, I know the A's fans are very happy. He's no longer in the AL West, very much an Oakland killer. So hold on to him as long as possible. The A's appreciate that. Um, We're going to shift gears on you. And I told you, you know, I've always wanted to walk where Jesus walked, but I get to walk where a one Mr. Trevor Plouffe walked. Of course, he was our third baseman for the A's for a little bit pre-Matt Chapman everybody was way excited to meet the myth the the legend that is Matt Chapman I want to know how wonderful is it working with Trevor Plouffe I mean part of me wants to put on a straight face and be real mean for a little bit but I can't even do it he's he's my guy he's uh, awesome dude family man I mean been been through it all And, and so many so many young players around the league uh, truly love him because he's a good guy. Like he's, he's done all the stuff you hear about and you love. Like I, you know, the other day he casually mentioned like he, you know, you hear older players buy guys their first like MLB suit. Like he bought Jorge Polanco his first suit. Yeah. Like, found that out the other day. And then, you know, it, he's my guy. Like he's silly. We have so much fun. He's, he's here right now. We're doing our hockey stuff. Um, and like Matt Chapman loves Trevor Plouffe and like, uh, you know, everywhere he's gone, even the brief pit stops, like, you know, he had a cup of coffee in Philly with the Rays and like Evan Longoria, like loves Trev. Like he's, he's a guy that truly the part of baseball in the locker room in the clubhouse that like that dynamic, we don't fully process. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of alpha males in there. There's a lot of guys that grew up in different parts of the country, different parts in the world. And like, you kind of need a couple of those connect the dots. Like, you know, uh, uh, some of those Southern hunting boys are going to hang out and be friends. And, and some of the guys from Latin America that grew up playing together, like they're going to be friends because they're two guys from the DR that now live in Oakland or Cleveland yeah. or wherever they live. So those guys are going to be buddies and you need those connect the dot guys in the clubhouse. And, and he was that. So, He's uh he's an awesome dude. He's he's got the fun side of you know, we we went out to a nice uh, uh a hot boy like steak restaurant last yeah. night. He you know he's got that side to him, but he's also a a family man that's you know trying to fly home early on Father's Day to you know, like surprise his kids and stuff. So he's uh he's an all right dude, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, um, he's definitely universally universally loved. And shout out to hot woman, Olivia Plouffe. We love yeah. her. We love her. Uh, before I let you go, it's really cool to watch what John Boy's done since the beginning. It was just like two dudes talking baseball, literally. And now it's kind of cool to see the world embracing it. Were you ever kind of intimidated or worried? Because I know personally making baseball fun sounds easy, but it's quite difficult because of the way that the demographic is. We want to be serious and stay true to the actual sport itself. How are you able to find the balance of entertainment, but still trying to be knowledgeable about the sport? It's, it's tricky uh, because I, 
I like to think I know baseball a little bit. Um, I'm a pretty silly person. So for me, there's a little bit of a tightrope act. And I, I guess people listen or watch whatever they do. It's end of the day, it's entertainment. Like whatever podcasts or shows you listen to or tune into, you're looking to be entertained, whether it's informative or silly or whatever it may be. Um, so, you know, for talking baseball, because that was a big jump for us. We went from talking Yanks, you know, very creative guys with our names, um, where we were Yankee fans. So we watched every game. And so you can speak pretty informatively. Like I can, I can talk about Clay Holmes's sinker usage and how he's been using it more and it's getting more run and how that ties into pitching coach Matt Blake. And I can, I can do that in a pretty informative style. Um, while also then ending up doing some pretty silly stuff. But uh, for talking baseball, one of our signature taglines is, you know your team better than us. Uh, like the, the Oakland Athletics, I couldn't tell you who's hot in their bullpen right now. I, mm -hmm. I, you know, I'd open the stat sheet and say, oh, you know, he's got a 2-6 ERA. He must look good right now. But his last two games, he may have looked awful, and, and you have no trust in them right now. And that's, yeah. that's where you just have to know the line of, like, keep it fun. Like, that's one of the things you – that's the word you said – um, this isn't a shot fired at MLB network. Like we're somewhat friendly with them at this point, but, uh, you know, some of their shows, you turn them on and, uh, you know, people are in suits and tie and like picture being like a, a little kid. Like if you turn yeah. that on, it, it almost looks like it's like a political show or something like, so there there's baseball's coming around. And I guess that's been our other thing. Like we we're pretty confident in what we do. Um, so we were just kind of going to put our head down and keep doing it. And if, if MLB started welcome us in, then we would, you know, walk through the door a little bit and, and we're getting there, you know, we're, we're getting there. So it's, uh, it's, it's fun. It's crazy how big it's gotten, um, you know, back to my guy, Trev, like he gets a lot more love at baseball stadiums than he did his baseball player, Trevor Plouffe. So that's I pretty love that. fun. I love that's that. Pretty, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's wild. It's wild. Like we're, uh, we're like pseudo baseball celebrities and it's bizarre because, well, A, right now I'm sitting in a warehouse in, in the middle of New Jersey, um, which is which is weird in itself. But seven years ago, seven years ago, that was weird. Um, I, I was just, I was a, a guy. I worked in electrical supply distribution. I was still myself. I was this, I used to be people's like coffee break in the office. Like, ah, Jake's probably not working too hard. Like, let's have a coffee and talk some sports. And now that's kind of what I'm still doing. So mm -hmm. It's uh, it's it's pretty unreal at the end of the day. Well, thank you, Mr. Pseudo Celebrity, for joining me today. I really, really appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. All great stuff done by Jessica Kleinschmidt. We we'll love the work she's doing for A's Cast and A's Total Access. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.